Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Devotion to Mary on member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Alexander Krasik, and I am joined by our guest, Father Herman Fleece, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Father. Happy to be here. In this episode, we will continue our study of the book, True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. We are now on part one, chapter three, which is entitled, Choice of True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it is in that choice that we have to know what we are indeed looking for and what we also have to avoid. For as the forger ordinarily only counterfeits that which is precious and valuable, so too the devil only counterfeits the most precious and valuable devotions, namely those of our Lord and Our Lady, as St. Louis tells us. As such, our saint starts this chapter off by warning us of these false devotions to Our Lady, of which there are seven kinds. Critical devotees, scrupulous devotees, external devotees, presumptuous devotees, inconstant devotees, hypocritical devotees, and interested devotees. Could you please tell us a little bit about each of these false devotions and how to avoid falling into them, Father? Yes, and uh, I will go kind of quickly so then we can focus more on what are the characteristics of the true devotion. But um, uh, the critical devotees essentially is... Uh, those who are critic uh, or critical about, uh, you know, well well founded devotions and um, solid devotions, and that uh, have even been approved by Holy Mother Church or by the custom in, among Catholics, and essentially is more like a bent of mind by which um, somebody has a devotion and uh, to Our Lady, and by a predisposition they are inclined to say, well, that's. Uh, it's not really solid, and you know, well, where is the ground for it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so it's more like a that bent uh, of mind. What really the Catholic approach is, if it's solid and approved by the Church and by again custom, which has been, you know, approved at least implicitly by the Church for for years, as we find in, in each in many countries in devotion to Our Lady, then that is enough. Um, so essentially, it means what we will call probably overcritical, and then the scrupulous devotees. That means those who are essentially uh, this is in, in people who have a pious disposition, but they have essentially an unfounded fear to essentially go too far in the devotion to Our Lady, as if fearing that that would um, essentially offend Our Lord or at least take glory away from our Lord. So it's in a way more important to keep an eye on this one because our listeners, by the fact that they are listening to this show, they are obviously inclined to piety and to love our lady, etc. But there is a common temptation to be essentially unduly afraid of saying, well, I am praying, for example, too much in front of a statue of our lady, but you know, I don't know if I prayed as much time before the Blessed Sacrament or... I say more than her Mary than the Our Father and stuff like that. And that's, that's why it's a scruple. And um, uh, it should really be avoided simply because the, we do all, if we say a Hail Mary or we pray uh, in front of a statue of Our Lady, we, we do it to honor our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's only following the emotions of grace and, and of the Holy Ghost that we might go either directly to Our Lord or to a statue of Our Lady. But it's important to cast away once and for all all scruple. If I feel inclined to pray to Our Lady, then that comes from 
uh, from grace and I should do it without scruples. And then if I move to pray to our Lord, then I follow that. But regardless, it's, um, our Lord is pleased uh, either way. And it's certainly pleased that we go a lot to, to his mother because, well, she's uh, his mother and it's the way, the best way in which we go to him. So, um, but I think that's an important aspect. And I think uh, those who are entering into this devotion or method of spiritual life, uh, I think it's a good idea to pray, especially to our Lord, to our Lady, the sense that they remove from us the uh, any remains of this kind of scruple, because this is one of the key points that might stop us. And uh, really, can, it is a grace to be freed from it, and therefore it's something we should pray to receive. Then external devotees, well, this is simple. It means the ones who essentially unduly based all the devotions to Our Lady to, you might say, merely external things, which in a sense are, are obviously excellent, but they make it consist merely in the external. So, for example, uh, I put, um, uh, let's say, I give uh, an alms to, uh, you know, in the Statue of Our Lady, I put my alms, you know, once a week, and I do just that externally, and that's it. I am a, a great devotee of Our Lady, and so forth, or... I kiss the rosary, and then that, that's how I show our my love for Our Lady, and therefore I'm very devout, just by the external fact. And uh, obviously that's not true devotion, because those externals, as we're going to see, are meant to first reflect the interior disposition, and then to um, they should help us for the to ground better and to grow in the interior devotion. So the key here is not to despise the external things, actually to keep it. And if someone is doing merely the externals, the solution is not to give up the externals, but to add to it the internal spirit that should go with them. So we should always keep the externals, but not merely uh, that. And then the presumptuous devotees, uh, well, those mean um, essentially those who abuse the devotion to Our Lady so so they think so that they might uh, sin with impunity. That is, okay, I say I belong to a confraternity and then I give alms in honor of Our Lady and then I carry my rosary, the rosary with me or something like that. Therefore, you know, I don't worry and I can go to occasions of sin, um, you know, go to dangerous places, etc. even commit sin and mortal sin and all the rest. But Our Lady, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, devoted to her. I'm the child of Our Lady. so. Yeah, she won't allow that I uh, die in mortal sin and I be damned, etc., because I, I am her servant, etc. And that's the idea of the presumption that is an unfounded and disordered um, and the false confidence by which we use it as a ground to sin, thinking that we will be spared the punishment. And obviously, that's presumptuous and, and false. Uh, if one is unfortunately in, in a state of mortal sin or struggling very much in the spiritual life, one should have great confidence in Our Lady and keep the externals and so forth. But in order to either to pull oneself immediately or at least to gain the graces, to have the strength and the grace to pull out, etc. That should be the goal. But not, while well, I will have devotion to Our Lady so that I can keep sinning without impunity. That's obviously an abuse and it's very offensive to Our Lord and Our Lady that uh, that presumption. Then in constant devotees means um, the ones who start devotions uh, to Our Lady, but then they change them with the wind, and that's in uh, in general uh, common pitfall in the spiritual life. One should have 
constancy in devotions and practice of virtue. If I say the rosary every day, then I should say it. I shouldn't change it to some other devotion, etc. So essentially, it's regularity, as we will say. That's very important. Then hypocritical devotees, that is the ones who use typically external devotions to our ladies so as to pass before men as very pious persons. So examples would be being ostentatious with whatever medals and rosaries and whatnot, so that people say, oh, how, how oh, he's very pious, etc. And then under that cloak, hide essentially all sorts of um, immoralities. Um, and then number seven, interested devotees, that is the ones who cultivate devotion to Our Lady, mainly, if not exclusively, to obtain an end. So they, uh, they have some, uh, let's say, uh, economical goal or they want to get a job or something like that. And therefore, and just therefore, they go to Our Lady and make a novena just to obtain that. So they really want to obtain it. So they have heard of the power of Our Lady. They go just because of that. And again, it is perfectly fine to make a novena to obtain a job from Our Lady or St. Joseph or any saint, but... The idea is the outlook. We shouldn't do it exclusively or merely for that. It should be ordered to the glory of God and Our Lady. And then if the job will help us you know, to obtain our daily bread, etc., then it's perfectly fine. But it shouldn't be the unique goal. Otherwise, it's disorder. And so that will be the first devotions. So having discovered what our devotions should not be like, we can now examine more closely those characteristics that should and must be marked by, namely... It should be interior, tender, holy, constant, and disinterested. What does St. Louis mean by these characteristics and how can we incorporate them into our devotion? Yes, well, and we can follow the order of the saint. Uh, Interior devotion means, uh, again, it's opposed to the merely exterior one, that is the devotion, the externals that we do should come from the spirit and the heart, that is the high idea we have of Our Lady, her glories, her power, etc., and also the love we have for her. So we express that by our externals, uh, but it uh, should come essentially from the heart, and that is very clear that it should be so uh, from the gospel, that uh, our spiritual life should spring from the interior, and that uh, that is the meaning of that one. And then tender, this one is uh, an important one uh, because it shows some some key aspects of this, um, of the devotion of Montfort. The sense is that this means it has to be a devotion full of confidence in Our Lady, like a child's confidence in his loving mother. And then I would like to quote uh, a paragraph or so on this tender devotion. The saint says, this confidence makes the soul have recourse to her in all its bodily or mental necessities with much simplicity, trust, and tenderness. It implores the aid of its good mother at all times, in all places, and about all things. And then he gives example of that. But this is a key aspect that is, and we are going probably to speak a little more further um, in this show or in the next, but um, the idea of it being tender in the mind of the saint means it's not merely, I say, at a certain time, my prayers to Our Lady, etc., but I have a true... um, you might say, confidence, and uh, and I go to Our Lady in the, you might say, the everyday necessities of our life, the spiritual life and even temporal needs. So that is a very, a very important aspect of devotion to Our Lady. 
and uh, he gives the samples of all the cases in which we should do it. And I think that's very important. And the way it is applied is we don't say a formula just in the morning that um, we trust in Our Lady and uh, and all the rest, but we should do that certainly. But then when, uh, let's say, there is a difficulty or a temptation, or even a physical danger or whatever, then we raise up the soul uh, or vocally or even the heart to Our Lady asking for help. So that shows the the confidence is shown more in that, that is that when we need help, we actually pray to her. And that's very, uh, very important. And it's one of the, um, the keys to a true devotion to Our Lady. And then holy, uh, well, that simply means it should lead us to avoid sin. That is, if we are in sin, to try to pull ourselves by the grace of God out of it. If we are in the state of grace, trying to avoid relapsing and even fighting against uh, venial sin, etc., each, each thing will be have its place in the spiritual life, depending on where we are. But at any rate, there always has to be a fight against sin and then, in a more positive side, uh, cultivation of virtue. Essentially, it should move us to virtue and the avoidance of sins, of sin, and that, um, that is meant by holy. And then constant, um, this means, um, it's very straightforward. It means we have to be steady in our practices of devotion. That is, we do some devotion to Our Lady and there's a lot of freedom there what we choose, but then we should persevere in it, even though we might feel uh, inclined to change and even to give it up because of temptations or aridity or whatever. No, it's very important to to be constant. And that, again, is a, a very important aspect in the spiritual life. It's better to um, to be faithful to the little practice that we do than to add new ones and then give up the older ones. And then uh, lastly, he says, disinterested. And this is opposed to the one we saw before of the uh, interested devotion. That is, we Obviously, Spain to gain a, a lot through devotion to Our Lady, and that is fine, and it's true, but we shouldn't see the devotion just as a means to obtain things for us, for us, for us, but um, to do it well, to be, give glory to God and also to give glory to Our Lady and because it pleases her. And then, yes, certainly, we will get many graces and even temporal favors, but we shouldn't have that outlook of only seeing it as a means to obtain those. Our Lady will certainly grant those to us, but we should be more disinterested and look more for, well, look first for the glory of God, then to, to serve Our Lady, and also uh, then Our Lady will give us all that we, that we need. But it should be orderly in that sense. When I was preparing for the show and reading through these characteristics, it hit me that a good overall word to sum this up is, is simply being childlike, to look up to Our Lady and to love her as our dear mother, just like a child with simple and innocent love. You know, the child goes to her and trusts her, and it just, it just loves his mother. And that's how we should be in a spiritual sense for Our Lady, right, Father? Uh, yes, it's, it's, an excellent, uh, it's an excellent way to keep the spiritual life simple. And then, yes, there is sometimes talk about the, the spiritual uh, childhood uh, and so forth. And then in the case of uh, devotion to Our Lady, it will also go on those lines. That is that she's our mother and therefore 
we go to her for help. And then, yes, that's a very nice uh, analogy and it's actually perfect. It perfectly shows uh, what it is. That is, a child is afraid of something and he goes, the first thing he does by a sort of instinct, he runs to, to his mother and asks for help. And that's what we should do in the spiritual life. Um, there is a temptation, there is a difficulty, a danger for the body, or more importantly, even so for the soul, etc. We need help and, and so forth. We need graces. And then we should go to Our Lady with simplicity as to our mother. And yes, uh, very childlike. And then we essentially expose to her our needs in a simple way. And then Our Lady, she's a mother, so she will hear us and grant us those graces. But yes, I think that's a good, a good way to see it. He mentions at the end of this little section how the devil will try to stop this devotion. And I'm curious to see what your experience has been with this because I've noticed a lot of myself when I talk to people, I'll bring this devotion up and they'll say something like, yeah, I started reading, but then I got sidetracked. I really need to go back to it. And it only seems like people get stopped somewhere along the way. And it's really quite startling. It's actually a rare treat for me when I talk to someone that actually has made it. So I'm saying this as a warning for our listeners to be on guard to persevere through this book and this process. And then, uh, yes, in, uh, I have come across some some cases in which, uh, yes, maybe people start reading the book, etc. And perhaps what I I have seen is more like it didn't, you might say, make a, a notable change or strike roots very deep. So yes, I read the book and yes, it's very interesting, but not not really too much of a change. And um, that's obviously, um, well, it is, what I will say is it is a big grace, perhaps it could be seen in that way. It's a big grace and favor from God, from the Holy Ghost to essentially, um, you might say, get the spirit of this devotion or that um, we really see its value or um, and so forth, even more getting the spirit of it in our life, etc. So that's a big grace. And some people uh, receive that grace. And if, if one does, one should be very grateful to God and also very, you might say, zealous about not losing it. That is, it's a grace from God, but we should essentially first foster it by our own means, you know, such as, you know, reading about it and then listening to like the show we are doing now, etc. So as to foster it. You see, God gives it, yes, but he wants that we also do our part. And then and once we have a bit of the, we see its value, et cetera, and all the rest, then we should keep an eye, and this is more or less what you are pointing, that we don't lose it. And obviously, the devil, as you point out, is very intent in making us lose the devotion to our lady, or at least diminish it, et cetera. That's very important. In fact, St. Alfonso speaks of that in The Glories of Mary, saying that the devil, uh, one of the key goals of the devil is to make someone to abandon devotion to Our Lady, because he says that once you abandon it, then it's much easier for him to make you sin and lose the grace, etc. In fact, it's very easy. So he makes a big point, the devil, in making us abandon devotion to Our Lady in particular. Maybe he, he will direct it some other way, but once Our Lady is kind of... Um, the devotion to her is diminished, then he can find a way to harm our soul. So knowing that on the part of the enemy of our soul, then we should be smart. And as our Lord says, we should be wise as serpents and therefore do the contrary. That is, I won't stop my devotion. I will keep my whatever fosters it. 
the devotions, then reading about it, and then listening to sermons, whatever it does to keep that fire of devotion alive, we should keep an eye on not uh, giving that uh, that up. And I think it is um, it is important, therefore, to be steady. And because we know the the trickery of the devil is there's no way one has to be firm by the grace of God, always putting the trust in God and Our Lady. There's no way I will give up my my devotion and this and that. So we are firm. And in that way, the devil will bother us less. If we are shaky and then we will be deceived and we might uh, essentially give it up at least partially. Moving forward, St. Louis presents us with various practices of the true devotion to Our Lady, both interior, which are truly beautiful and again go back to being childlike, and exterior ones also. Several of these practices we will actually go into depth later in a future chapter, but for now, were there any that you would like to draw special attention to and comment on, Father? Well, uh, yes, I will say he gives several, right? But um, the interior devotions or practices of devotion, I think the uh, key ones are praying to hear us, which is so in our necessities. And the saint speaks about that. And um, I think that's... uh, a key aspect, he makes a sort of uh, list of them, and um, those will be the saint puts those in number six, seven, and eight. Number seven in the list of the saint is to do all, all our actions uh, with the view of pleasing her. That is a, an important um, interior one, and that is to purify the intention. That's a key aspect. That is, we during the day we have to do all sorts of actions, some are very simple and ordinary, um, you know, like cleaning our room or whatever we have to do. And it is very important to do this uh, this practice of devotion. That is, we stop a second, we rectify the intention. I do this uh, for Our Lady and through her for Our Lord. And that is a very important aspect. And he will speak a little more about that. And then uh, number eight that he gives is also key. And he's going to develop this one. But he says to begin, to continue, and to finish all our actions by her, in her, with her, and for her, in order that we may do them by Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ, and for Jesus Christ, our last end. So I think those two are the most, I would say they are the key. The other ones are perhaps more common to other ways of spirituality, but I think those uh, are the key ones for the interior devotions according to the the Montfort way. And then as far as the exterior uh, devotions, he gives, again, a a very nice list. I would stress naturally the Holy Rosary, that is, we should pray the Holy Rosary. That's like uh, the devotion to Our Lady. It has clearly the preeminence. That's like the the essential. And then some people are inclined to different prayers and even... Um, devotions, smaller devotions, but the rosary is kind of essential, so that's very important. So at least one should say the rosary. And um, then he speaks in um, in numbers five, number five of the exterior, he says to wear her liberties, such as the rosary, the scapular, or the little chain. And then number 10, he says to carry her images or to have them carried in procession and to carry a picture or an image of her about our own persons as a mighty arm against the evil spirit. So between these five and 10, I think we should 
were obviously the scapular. And then I encourage very much the listeners to be enrolled or to have the miraculous medal imposed on them by a priest, blessed and imposed, and to wear around their necks the miraculous medal of Our Lady. Obviously, this came after the life of the saint, so he couldn't <laughs> include it. But I think the wearing of a blessed and a duly imposed by a priest miraculous medal that's a way of doing number five and ten more or less together. We wear something of Our Lady around our persons as a protection against the devil. And we also remind ourselves of our devotion to our herd. He concludes the chapter by drawing attention to the fact that considering all the various devotions to Our Lady and after having conversed with the wisest men of the times, that he has never come across a devotion equal nor more perfect than the one we are now learning about. One that more perfectly unites us to Jesus than all the others, he also requires many sacrifices too, as well as removal of self-love. He justly warns us, and this is an important point, and this is getting back to what you said earlier, Father, that this is a devotion to be lived. It's not just an act that you just make a prayer that you find, you just say it, and soon forget about it. Some will take one step in, some two or three, but who will make this their habitual state and advance from virtue to virtue and grace to grace as they advance towards spiritual perfection? Our saint asks this question to us. Yes, I, I agree with you. This is a key point, uh, so we can stress it too much. That is essentially the spirit of the devotion is that we do everything uh, for our lady, etc. Uh, that's kind of the goal and it's very perfect. But there are all sorts of gradations, right? So the goal would be like uh, some saints that have done essentially all what they do for Our Lady and then that for our Lord. And the way we gradually ascend step by step to do that more perfectly, that is we attain that habitual state, is by doing more frequent but fervent, that is with devotion, more frequent acts of union to Our Lady and of renewing the intention, etc. So what that means is this, that we make the total consecration and then we are, uh, we are consecrated to Our Lady. But then we have to, sometimes during the day, to renew the spirit and to even with words saying, for example, uh, my mother, I do this for your love or whatever words we use, but we essentially make an act of union or of rectifying the intention, etc., but it's step by step. First, we do them more separately and it's, it's slightly more difficult. And then with times, it becomes easier to do them more frequently and with more fervor, etc. They don't have to be sh- uh, long. In fact, the act of union or of renewing the intention and, and the like should be short so that we can keep doing the duties. But the key is that that uh, unites it more uh, in act with Our Lady and then if one is faithful to those, then eventually it starts becoming more habitual and more easy to, to unite ourselves again to our lady more closely and so forth. And then it's step by step. If we are faithful to the first step, doing it sometimes a day, then we will be moved to the second. And then it will be easier and more integral and so forth. And then eventually, if one perseveres, again, very important to persevere, for many years, many years of being faithful to that, eventually it becomes more and more habitually. And even by the grace of God, if one is faithful, um, one should aspire to even the mystical life by which it becomes very often a habitual state. But the thing is, we won't attain like the higher steps 
unless we are do one step at a time, essentially, and we are faithful to the first and more vocal and external. That's uh, it's natural. There's a development. So I think the key is to not to do the the art of union or of um, giving ourselves to already just in the morning and at night, and we should, but sometimes during the day and before we start new activities. And then if we are faithful to step one, then our good Lord might, by his grace, move us to step two, and we should aspire to it. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Is there anything else you'd like to add in summary before we close out our episode? Well, yes, I will say the the as we, we spoke, this devotion shouldn't be uh, seen as Ah, I did the consecration, and therefore it's taken care of. No, we do the consecration, and then it's a whole, essentially, lifelong uh, to try to live more and more according to its spirit, and that will require that we essentially pray during the day. That's important. We cannot say, well, I, I did my prayers in the morning, therefore all my actions are given to Our Lady. It is true, in a sense, but we tend to forget, we tend to become tepid, etc. So we should essentially pray to Our Lady during the day sometimes, you know, before starting a new action and whatnot, so that it becomes more a life of prayer than just a mere act of consecration that we did and we pretty much forget about. Well, Father, thank you for your time and we'll talk to you again next time as we continue this series. May God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too.